Welcome, everybody, to the Tenacity Strength Fit for Duty podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Larry Brown. Got my co-host, Vaughn Ateen, on the other line right here. Hey, guys. We took a little while off, so about two weeks. Um, schedules didn't line up, um, and just a myriad of other things hit, but got a lot of things to talk about. Um, first things first, uh Something that lit the bodybuilding world on fire and not in a positive light um, was the unfortunate, untimely passing of uh, IFBB Pro uh, and fan favorite Luke Sando uh, passed away at the age, I believe it was uh, 30. 30 years old. 30 years young. Yeah, 30 years young. Uh, Very, very all of a sudden. I'm not, we're not going to get into the particulars of what happened or any of that because really we'll... I don't even know. Um, What I do know is that a lot of people uh, lost a friend. Fans lost uh, one of the people that they aspire to be like. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those fans. I have followed Luke uh, since 2013. Um, And so I've I've seen his rise uh, through the amateur ranks um, in Britain all the way up until, until he competed at the Arnold Classic. Uh, so it was very cool to see and very unfortunate um, event that happened. Uh, Vaughn, what's your take on it? You know, a um, friend of his uh, went on Instagram and he made this very touching video. I, he, his goal was to kind of keep the rumor mill from setting Luke's remaining family's lives aflame. Af- and I respected him for doing that. You know, because otherwise, you know, you know what it is. It's a bodybuilding death. So people would have began to speculate and they would have started calling out steroids and all of that other stuff as the main cause of his death. And his friend um, just laid it out. He said it was of Luke's own choosing. Unfortunately, he has been battling with um, some mental health struggles, which led, unfortunately, to him making a, a as his friends put it a choice um so i'm just going to leave it at that tastefully it it, it it sounds better if you put it that way um and his friend ended the video by saying that you know it's important that um people in general but especially men you know feel free to talk about mental health and their problems and their struggles especially in these very tumultuous times for everyone um you know most suicides are committed by men, mm-hmm. you know, um, guys tend to hold stuff in literally until it builds. And if it's a, if it's an issue of mental illness where you're not really making a decision, you're just in, in, in agony and you see no other way out. You know, that's something I've seen a lot on this job. You know, we have, we had a lot of cops, uh, these past few months take their own lives, you know, so I can, I can say I'm personally acquainted with the pain of suicide and the trouble it causes. So I feel, I, I grieve, I grieve for him. I grieve for his family. Um, I grieve for anyone who was close to him and, you know, let's, let's just leave it at this. It's, it's, it's sad. It's an unfortunate death. And, you know, I just hope that his family can move past this pain and, you know, in, 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 
concert with what's going on in the world right now, that must just be the most awful feeling. I just, my prayers go out to his family and to his close friends at this time. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, we're not going to harp on it. Um, you know, his friends and family are keeping his memory alive. And, um, you know, just my last take on it for him to be an IFBB pro for such a short time, he made such a profound impact on a lot of people. He was the first personality. He was unique. He was he was himself. He was raw. He actually had a personality, a strong one. Everyone has a personality. His was strong. His was pure. You could see the genuineness in the, in the way he conducted himself and the way he dealt with people. I, I remember at the Olympia, he, he threw what he throw water on as he as the bodybuilders are walking past. Not for the Olympia, for the Arnold, and he just kind of um, splashed one of the commentators with water as he was he was he was splashed. As a matter of fact, he was he, right. Remember, he was he was actually co commentating at the Arnold, and I think yeah. McMillan splashed him. And Cedric is another one of these guys. He's a, a genuine personality in the sport, and to see the two of them interact like that, you kind of got a little bit of insight into into their you know into their personalities and the way they they kind of light up. I would imagine a backstage area, and you can see through their social media the way they interact with people and each other. Mm -hmm. So you know, having having seen all of that. If you didn't know about Luke Sandow, you could get a little bit of an insight into what he was like, you know, as I'm sure many of his fans know. And the fact that that light of a personality is now extinguished from this world under such tragic circumstances, there's no other way to put it, man. It's, it's a tragedy, and I just can't say enough to, you know, highlight what a tragedy that is. Yeah, tragedy indeed. Ugh. Moving on to... Lighter, lighter subjects. Uh, it was announced last week that this is something that's good for a lot of people that compete in the fall um, that are looking for their pro cards. The NPC USA is now in December. Right. Um, and it's in Los Angeles. Yeah, it used to be. It was a summer show. Um, but obviously, with everything that's going on with COVID-19, they had to hurry up and pivot. And now it's in Los Angeles. And what I like about this so much is that it's not too long after the Nationals. So for people that need that second stab at obtaining a pro card, uh, it can actually be done. Um, you'll yeah. have to travel to an opposite part of the country that we don't know how they're going to react. Because, you know, California is still on a massive lockdown. Um, but the, I, I actually like this and I think it could be good for a lot of people who may have missed the mark at nationals, but we're like in the top five, top 10, they can get another stab at USA a few weeks later and actually redeem themselves. So I think this is a good move on the NPCs part to move it to this particular show, uh, to this particular time frame in this particular city. What do you think? I think it's a. I think they were kind of forced into making a good move. You know, sometimes, you know, this sport is a, this sport. You know, it's it, it, it's relatively old sport in terms of you know what since what the fifties, sixties. It's definitely grown in these last couple of decades to the status that it is now. But a lot of promoters they do things the same way. These the schedules are usually fixed in stone. You could you could bet that the same show. It's going to be the same month or, or the same week of that month next year as it was this year. They do that for a couple of reasons, I understand. But moving to USA's, 
um, this close to nationals, I think was something that they probably should have looked into doing a long time ago. Mm -hmm. you know? But now that they had kind of had no choice, um, they had to do it. So I think, like you said, that's going to be a great benefit to a lot of people who are now seeing the end, the light at the end of this tunnel, and they could start formulating the game plan. And now they see they're faced with two opportunities. And now who knows if there is even going to be an announcement in regards to the North Americans and other pro qualifiers. You may have a bunch of pro qualifiers stacked very close together, you know, because the Northeast is starting to show signs of opening things up. And so now we can have a bunch of pro qualifiers back to back to back around that same period of time leading in from late September, early November, right up until December. And that can be huge for bodybuilding on the amateur level. You know, I think North Americans will stay where it's at date wise. Um, like you said, cities in the Northeast, um, I'm not sure of the geographical location of Pittsburgh to, is that considered Northeast? I failed geography. You know what? It's, it's, it's definitely on the verge of Northeast Midwest, but um, it's very, it's very close to the epicenter of the current crisis. And I can see, um, I can see the, 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 the case for them doing things where they would open up in conjunction with the Northeast region so that, everyone's on the same sheet of music and, you okay. know, you open up one place all of a sudden to have a, a flare up of the pandemic over there. So, you know, it's, it, it's within the realm of possibility, but it, 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 it provides a lot of close, closely packed opportunity for people who compete around that same time of year to kind of, you know, get, get, get a few shows in and get a few pro qualifiers under their belts. And I believe the rule is, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I didn't look at I didn't look at the sheet before we got on the show. So to the audience, I do apologize. I believe it's it's top five of last year's NPC qualifiers are allowed to compete instead of. I'm honestly not sure. I know they've relaxed or waived some requirements to get into some of these pro qualifiers. I have not. I have not seen those. I have not seen those requirements. But um, that probably needs to be done at this point because I mean, a lot of people I'm sure have abandoned their preps for this year altogether. Yeah. And there's going to be a ton of people who um, were affected financially by basically the economy going to absolute shit. So they're not going to have the money to compete. Let's look at those people. That's going to be a large population of bodybuilders at this point. And who will we left with willing to compete, willing to put out the amount of money it takes to do these shows. So, the NPC had to do something to attract a larger, a larger um, population of people who wouldn't be financially capable, physically capable in terms of prep now to do these shows. So yeah, they had they had to relax those restrictions, and so it makes sense that yeah, the top five would be eligible to compete this year, which which probably is a good segue into the next topic in terms of the IFBB's announcement, which is supposed to be coming this Monday. We are recording now on Sunday, the 10th of May. And the IFBB, in regards to the Olympia, is supposed to make an announcement tomorrow, the 11th of May, Monday. Any idea what you think what you, of what that can be? <laughs> I've heard rumors. Mm -hmm. Heard a rumor. Um, Special invites. I, special invite. 
Uh, I think special invite is kind of a given at this point, seeing as that half your pro, half your pro calendar is wiped out. Right. Uh, I heard December Mm -hmm. for the Olympia. Uh, I'm not sure if that would happen, seeing that the NPC and IFBB, IFBB work so close. And now you have a pro qualifier in December. So um, I've heard that month. I'm not really sure. Bottom line, it's getting moved, but it's staying in Vegas. Okay. So, and Vegas kind of needs this for the simple fact that they're trying to open up and it's a lot of hurdles, which I get, I understand, but at some point, um, the city's going to have to open up, open back up, and is going to have to follow these social distancing uh, rules. So I think the Olympia is good ground for a test of how things should go. Um, but December time frame is what I've heard. Um, special invites, yeah, I've heard that too, but no, no huge rumbling. Like I said, that's kind of a given at this point. Um, but it gives more people time on prep. It gives people a little bit more of an off season. Um, now that they know that there's going to be an Olympia, a lot of weight is lifted off of a few competitors' shoulders. Now knowing that the the Super Bowl of bodybuilding is back online. Absolutely. So it's going to be interesting to see how the field uh, pairs out, how they prepare. I'm really interested in the prep that a lot of these guys are going to go through, um, seeing as that gym w- gyms will be, let's, like, let's make no mistake, your 24-hour gym, if you have one, will not be 24 hours initially when this lockdown is lifted, period, point blank. I'm telling you from experience. My wife and I were discussing this um, along the models of the way your gym works, but not exactly. I think gyms are going to go to a, do you know how you got to book your appointment at a spin class? Yeah. A amount of spots in a spin class. Yeah. And if you don't show, show up there, give a spot to the person who's, who's waiting online. Yeah. I think that's a possible model for how a lot of gyms could submit a plan for how they're about to go about business going forward until they are allowed to operate as normal. I think they're gonna have to have a certain segment for a certain amount of people allowed in the gym that have booked appointments and keep a little bit of leeway for people who kind of show up and, hey, so-and-so didn't get their appointment. You know, are you in the parking lot? (laughs) You wanna come work out? Uh, Time may be limited, training-wise, social distancing rules will apply which is a great way of telling the blabbermouth in the gym, you know him, everybody knows that guy, you know, the guy who wants to talk you to death between your sets and rep. Hey, bro, talk to me from six feet over there. Don't talk to me at all. And yeah. you just go about your business, do your, do your business in the gym, spend your allotted amount of time. Um, please respect the enforcers of the gym. If someone tells you to wipe something down, don't give them an attitude. Just wipe it down. Right. If someone tells you, hey, move it along, break up this little coffee clutch, break it the F up and move along. Because at this point, I think other gym members who value our time at the gym are going to have to step up and kind of just be like, hey, you know, especially, hey, I I don't ever want to see this anymore. Unless you are setting up to record your epic PR attempt, 
I don't want to see this in your hand at the gym anymore. There's no more time for that. You know what I'm saying? So the, the rules, the rules of the road are going to have to change for the members and for the, the gyms as businesses so that these guys could survive because gyms are taking a hell of a hit right now. And that's to me, the most sad thing about this health and healthy people is what's needed to get through this pandemic. You can't for prolonged periods of time, rob people of their ability to get healthy and strong. Yeah. And you know, um, Speaking to the booking of an appointment, um, a gym here in Omaha attempted to do that. But here's the killer part. Mm -hmm. they, they were charging members, members now, not mm -hmm. public members, $7.99 an hour. Does that business model stand? Like, do you willingly pay, do you willingly request members to pay an additional fee on top of their gym membership fee for an hour not even an hour and a half not even two hours because we know leg day can take a little bit of a time absolutely you 7.99 per hour and you can only book an hour at a time like does that model stand up in what is about to be possibly a bad economy it stands up for the gym for the, for the gym owners if they figure that's what they need to do to keep the lights on and to keep a gym open. And I'm about to go a little bit of Bernie Sanders. I hate to see that corporate America and these banks have already received their billions and billions of dollars of bailouts. And on top of that, they're turning around and letting people go or they're going to turn around and not rehire all the people they furloughed. And they're going to use that money to pay out dividends and buy back stocks and do all this nonsense. It's a tax. It's on on the taxpayer's dime, and that gyms can't get enough money to stay afloat because gyms are an essential part of the national fitness. We need gyms. We need places for people to go and exercise so that they can remain strong and healthy. If you don't have a strong, healthy population, this disease cuts through us like cordwood, and everything goes up in flames. Why would you put a gym owner in that position? You understand what I'm saying? They've paid their taxes. The gym, the, the gym goers have paid their taxes. You know, we need certain things bailed out. I understand. I'm not putting it on the same level as your local firehouse, your school teachers, your hospitals, your doctors, your nurses, your police officers. I'm not putting it on that level. But when you get down to it, I believe a gym is more deserving of a helping hand from the government, i.e. us taxpayers, than Neiman Marcus is who just filed for bankruptcy uh, uh, again. Again, and all these big these airlines who do nothing but charge you fees, shrink your your your, your travel space so the seats get closer so they can make more money, do nothing for you basically, you know. And they're getting bailed out, and we're going to let these gyms continue to be closed and get to the point where they have to charge these fees. You know, I kind of don't see it as a gym owner's fault because that that it, they got pushed to that point because they weren't getting the help they needed. And it's fun. It's funny you you. It's funny you bring that up. So like, California is the epicenter of government versus gym owners right now. I just saw a gym owner on Facebook get arrested for having his gym open and refusing to close it. Which at that case, which at that point, it's not even criminal. That's more of a civil civil thing. Hey, we're gonna give you a ticket. Right. For every day that you're open. That that right. there's nothing about keeping a gym open during a pandemic uh that that's criminal. 
um, I had to say this as a member of law enforcement um, in New York City and the New York City Police Department has been tasked with enforcing these social distancing regulations. Um, a lot of cops that I speak to and a lot of the suggestions that I made to my fellow officers um, in regards to this is to show a tremendous amount of discretion. These are communities we have to go back into after all of this is done to police. These are people we have to help. These are people whose help we need to do our jobs and to remain safe. And if you're going to start busting people's social gatherings and their businesses up, like, come on, some of these, like, imagine me showing up to arrest a gym owner. I'm a cop. I'm a bodybuilder. I'm going to show up. And guess who's, guess whose side I'm going to, I'm going to come down on. Someone's going to tell me, put the cuffs on that guy. I'm going to look and I'm going to be like, Sarge, you got to suspend me. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I, I, I don't think this is right. You know, at some point, a line has to be drawn in the sand with members of law enforcement and some of the things they're being asked to do. How are you going to ask a hardworking man to shut down this business? Yet in California, they're paying homeless people to have nicotine and alcohol products while they're in hotels, held up in hotels so they can maintain social distancing and quarantine. Yet at the same time, the city of San Diego is providing them with nicotine, alcohol, and all these other things, lotto tickets, so that they don't have to go out. They can stay in these hotels. But yet a hardworking gym owner in the state of California for running his business, a vital business service, in my opinion, and I'm sure the opinions of many of those watching or listening to this podcast, all 12 of you, that, <laughs> that you have to tell a gym owner, hey, we're going to put you in handcuffs for running a gym. This is the point that I really didn't want to see us get to in this country with this pandemic. And lo and behold, it didn't take long. We're here. You know, so it's really troubling for me to see this. Yeah, I, you know, I've been a little, uh, I've been a little fortunate here. The gyms haven't um, closed down. So I've been relatively been able to uh, manage that with a stint of home workouts. Uh, Same here. Between that. But, you know, you, you just hate to see it. Like, I'm not a big business guy or anything like that. And I'm, I'm not the whole, uh, I'm not the whole America's built on small business. It, it, any, I see it from the point that someone's worked hard for a long time. Absolutely. They built something. Absolutely. They should be able to run that something. A hundred percent. You as an adult, as a, as a working adult, have that decision, have that choice to go out to said business. Whatever risk you take is that risk. But don't go and shut these businesses down because they still have to put food on the table. You're literally taking away a person's livelihood. Absolutely. And that's not cool. Imagine if somebody came up to a cop's house with a shotgun, put a shotgun to their head and said, you will not go to work tonight. You could do anything in this house, but you will not go to work tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think... I, I always I always t picture it like this in my head. Um, 20 years, 22 years, 25 years, however long I decide to remain an active police officer. I was Vaughn ETN citizen long before that. I'm going to be Vaughn ETN citizen, God willing, long after that. And so I want to make sure that there are people on this job and in this profession who are going to respect rights and common sense. I hate to keep using this same old analogy you will see written and spoken when it comes to cops saying, hey, I was just following orders. That's what the Nazis said. You know, while they were marching people to their death, that's what the 
U.S. soldiers said who marched um, those Native Americans up the Trail of Tears. You know, that's what how many times have men in uniform abrogated their moral responsibility to humanity by saying this is just because I was I'm following an order because I have to. Sometimes that do, that doesn't cut it, man. It really doesn't. And 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 we're 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 quickly approaching situations like that in this country where they're forcing police officers to and police officers the most part guys are just go along to get along status quo you know hey why can't you just obey the law and not let me have to do this but i believe i'm trying to remember the martin luther king quote an unjust law is still on uh you know i i forgot the quote it was by martin luther king basically the gist of it is to say even though it's a law and it's legalized it doesn't mean it's right on the moral point so sometimes man if you get faced with a, a decision that you have to follow because of your, your 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 profession and it goes against your morals and everything you know to be right i'm not going to blame you for, for for siding on 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 behalf of your morals you know and then we have to make a decision as to okay we have to face whatever consequences of that but you're putting cops across this country in, in bad situations now and i understand the reason for it because we don't want things to get worse you don't want wave number two. Nobody wants that. But there's a, a balance in line with these with these hardworking, tax-paying business owners who are, are always, almost to uh, 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 individual, supportive of law enforcement. Not anymore. If <laughs> you some cop is gonna lock me up for running my gym, you know, kiss those tickets to the policeman's ball goodbye. You know. You're gonna hear you're gonna hear NWA after police. Right, every, exactly. Every day coming out these businesses. Right, exactly. You know, you, hey guys, take cops know what I'm talking about. Where you gonna which clean bathroom are you gonna go take a shit in now? You know? Everything mm -hmm. <laughs> as a cop, you need you need you need a clean bathroom to use, you need good food to eat that you know is not gonna be contaminated, you know, and you need certain places where you could go duck out. When you know when you need to, you need to go chill out for a little bit. Things are getting a little too hot and heavy. You need to go kick your feet up. Cops know what I'm talking about. Let's not slam these business owners to support us in so many ways. These bosses in their air-conditioned offices—they're <laughs> not out in the street. They're not going to get the psst, officer about that shooting the other day. Let me talk to you in the back. I heard A, B, and C. You know what are we doing to ourselves out here? Yeah, you don't want to shoot yourselves in the foot, especially common sense. Yeah, definitely use common sense. Um, so I know you've started back training, right? If I, if yeah, I, saw I have my, um, the building I work in where my, my offices for the unit that I work, um, the cops there maintain shout to Mike Smith of the, of the NYPD powerlifting team. Um, he runs a, a small gym there. It's not chock full of equipment. It's got the basics. It's got a power rack, a couple of benches. A hack squat, a, 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 a pec deck, a, a station for dips, stations for pull-ups, uh, treadmill, spin bike. Got a piece, a few pieces. It's got some decent dumbbells in there. A few pieces of equipment that um, I can utilize. And I just started about mm, a week and a half ago, and now I'm able to incorporate some weight training on top of my my daily walks and some of my home training. So you know, it's been it's been better training wise for me. And I definitely can't wait for gyms to be able to open back up so I can see how they're functioning before the wife and I make a decision to start training at a commercial gym again. Yeah, I think one thing that I'm doing uh, 
now that I'm able to go back is uh, I train at off-peak hours, especially with um, the month that I'm in, Ramadan. Right. I train at night. But when I wasn't fasting, I'm up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm out the door to the gym, no later than 4.30, back by 6, 6.30, shit, shower, shave, and uh, get ready for work. Now that I'm working from home, that's kind of changed. Right. So I'm I'm definitely eager. We've had our chain gym, which is uh used to be a 24-hour fitness. It's called Genesis Health Clubs now. Um, they were 24 hours. They are back open, but they're on limited uh, schedules now. Um, have you seen any drop in strength? And what would you advise to people who are getting back into the gym after after several weeks off? What do they need to do to get back to their previous place? Okay, so it's kind of like, I don't know, let's, 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 I'm going to use a, a, a 90s kid analogy here. So say you're playing a game of Contra. Which I, which I do have on Xbox One. Y'all need to get that Contra collection. <laughs> so say you're playing a game of Contra. You, you got the spreader or you got the heat seeker. You're deep into the game. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, something happens. You got you to gotta start over. Now you're starting over with the basics. So I went from having the spreader or the heat seeker in terms of strength, recovery, to I'm starting over almost from basics again. So a good thing about that is that now, in order to keep any gains you've made, as long as you've had those gains for at least one year, it takes, train, it takes training at one-tenth of the frequency and intensity that got you those gains to keep those gains. So I was able to keep the gains. You didn't see quite the fullness, you know, because of course you're not, you're not really pushing glycogen via um, resistance training the way you are. So I definitely lost fullness. The weight fluctuated a little bit, you know, um, body composition fluctuated a little bit. Like I tend to hold fat in my midsection. So when I'm not expending those calories, weight training, and I'm not, my body's not engaged in that very anabolic process, which leads to me burning fat in, in toughly held areas. So if, if I'm just doing push-ups, dips, and walks or whatever, my body's going to still hold on to fat. But the distribution of fat when you weight train, in my opinion, is different than the distribution of fat when you don't. So I've noticed that, like my, my championship belt in my lower stomach, it's there. Um, and I've also noticed that now since I've been training about a week and, and a half or so, the wife and I, I sneak my wife into the work gym. Don't tell anyone, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, she, she's got, she's got to wear a policewoman's uniform to, to get up there. So that's been a little bonus for me. <laughs> so I'm not complaining about that, but yeah, so the strength level has been diminished. I would say almost by 40, almost 50% for some lifts. But then I think my second time hitting legs, my strength with legs started coming right back. Um, I trained shoulders and arms today and some of the strength is starting to come right back, which has me excited because like now I feel like, oh, I could actually probably make some gains on top of this. You know, because when it's hard, I recognize that that's gains coming, you know. 
So like the fact that my strength level dipped actually gave me a little bit of excitement saying, wow, I'm going to be sore. My strength, I'm going to see my strength level slowly go back up and I'm probably going to see new gains from all of this because it was about six weeks that I had not uh, trained with weights. Yeah, mine was about mine was about five and I went through a second leg workout and I got a little bit stronger. But again, my litmus for having my litmus for having or or measuring is not there because I'm in a vastly different environment with me fasting. Right. Uh, right. The majority of the day. Uh, however, what I will say is that things are coming back slowly. Um, it's definitely is definitely not uh, pre fast Larry Brown pre quarantine Larry Brown, but it's 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 coming back uh, slowly. And you touched on something that earlier that you may not have realized is that how training with body weight and training with weights you have a different uh, you have a different look. Absolutely, absolutely. It made, it made me think that. How I how I read and I forgot who I read it from. I, it really escapes my mind. I hate it so much. Training, weight training itself is the ultimate is the ultimate nutrient shuttler. Yeah, you you won't that have vocation absolutely. Yeah, so you won't have that um, with body weight training. So it just really speaks to the effectiveness of how you need weights to enhance body composition absolutely um i you know i noticed less full, less fullness in my arms i noticed less fullness in my shoulders um less less fullness in my back my clothes fit differently my weight didn't fluctuate maybe a two or three pound fluctuation in weight but i can i can feel it and i can see it you know that you know my my, my body is different when i'm lifting versus when i'm just doing calisthenics walking lunges, you know, using, using the bands. Um, there's, there's a difference there that, you know, it's because let's face it. I, when I'm using bands and stuff, man, I'm not putting in, I'm not putting in the effort I'm going to put in, you know, using, using weights. No. That's, that's me because you know what I'm trying to maintain. So, and I, and I understand that it only takes a 10th of that stimulus to maintain. I'm not trying to get myself into, an anabolic place where I'm causing enough damage to grow. Not at this point. I think on top of living in New York City, being exposed to all of this stuff via my 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 job, that I didn't want to stress my immune system with training on top of everything else. So I just said, you know what? It's time to maintain. It's time to kind of chill out and try to keep what you have. And when this stuff starts to go on the downswing, then I can worry about training hard, stressing my immune system, working midnights that I you know, my hours are midnight and, you know, going out there with a compromised immune system because of that. So I took the conscious effort to not engage in hardcore training, trying to make gains while all of this stuff was going on. And it's noticeable, <laughs> you know, it's noticeable, but, you know, thank God, like I said, now we have the opportunity to hit some weights and things will no doubt come back. And I'm excited about that. And so should everyone who has been in the situation doing the same thing if you guys have been home training at home if you guys have been training with whatever you can improvise if you guys have been doing your calisthenics doing your walking for cardio and just trying to hold on good news as i've said i think about two or three times already it only takes one tenth of the effort to maintain muscle 
as long as you have spent a year building that muscle. Muscle earned is muscle kept, and you only need one tenth of the effort to keep it. Um, you'll lose some. You lose some fullness. You lose a little bit of that glute four translocation. You'll lose a little bit of the the structure, your look, but it's still there, waiting for the weights. The it's still waiting for the key of the weights to unlock all of that, and it'll be back. So, you know, fear not. We've been only we've been endured during the night. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so another thing I know you wanted to talk about it was training splits. So with an extended time out of the gym. Uh, I'm hoping that people put a little bit more thought, a little bit more, um, I'm not going to say intelligence into their programming, but a little bit more thought and uh, intention into how they program uh, themselves. And I know you want to touch on this uh, as far as, you know, frequency and all of that. Yeah, so... One of the things um, I was asked recently was um, my training splits when I when I was competing as a cop. Like, how did you do it? Um, how did you train? And uh, were you following a program? Up until I started doing, having you take over my programming, my tra- I would train. I would change my workouts every time I walked into a gym. And for the vast majority of my competitive career, that's how I trained. In the beginning, I may have had some training splits I, I, I took off of uh, muscular development or whatever, but that's in the very beginning of my bodybuilding journey. And then it got to the point where I figured I knew everything, so let me incorporate a little bit of everything. I would change my training structure every time I stepped foot into a gym. I would not stick with a dedicated training split. I would not have a macro uh, a macro split and a meso split for the life of me un- until not until the last year or so, I would say. And so it's, it's important because what happens is if you go in, if you, if you have the same group of exercises for chest, chest day, leg day, back day for your, for your delts and your arms, you don't know that you're getting stronger until you do the same exact program and you're able to exceed your sets or up the next week. And then at the end of a four, six, whatever it is, eight week split, macro split, you'll notice your reps went up, your weight went up, you got better, you got stronger, you got faster, whatever it is. So people need to be aware that when you set yourself up, you're setting yourself up for long-term progress, but you're taking shorter term steps to get there. So it could be anywhere from four, six to eight weeks, but you need to be able to stick it out so you can measure your progress and then adjust and go forward from there. That's the only way, to be honest with you, and that's the most intelligent way after a long, long period of time off from the gym that you're going to see gains because people at uh, intermediate, so training for three years or so level, it's harder to gain than someone who just started. So if you're at a level where you're intermediate or above training for anything from three years or more, now if you want to capitalize on this time off and actually see gains, set yourself up with a nice training cycle. Take it four, six, eight weeks at a time and try to beat your sets and reps every week until you get stagnant. You can add some intensifiers to it. You know, you could add different things to it, but, you know, you don't always have to go in there and try something completely new every week or every day that you train. And that I kind of, with people doing so many different things in the gym, I, I, I 
I blame a couple of different things. One, um, the muscle confusion principle that was popular a lot. Popular. That's what two in the beginning. That's what. That's why I messed up. Yeah. And like, muscle tissue doesn't get confused. Yeah. It recognizes stress. Exactly. Um, so back to your point is if you're progressing and that's an added stress that your muscle has to then fight back against for lack of a better word and then grow. So it has to adapt and get bigger and get stronger. Bodybuilding is groundhog day. Doing the same thing over and over day after day will yield the greatest results. Fitness itself is, is groundhog day. Um, so I like the way I believe it was Matt Jansen put it. Stop looking for novelty in your training. Yes. Come obsessed with progress that you're trying to uh, make. So another thing that I blame is, and it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, um, well-equipped gyms. Yes. What I, I, and I don't, I don't. You know, I don't want to sound like a jerk. It's a wonderful thing to be able to train in an extremely well-equipped gym that has a piece of equipment for everything imaginable, including your pinky toe. But also at the same time, that comes with a caveat. Are you going to stay focused enough to stick with those exercises that work and I work for you, not work in general, work for you over a period of time, over and over and over and over. I've had the chest supported row in my program at least for the past three or four months because it's yielding results. I've had the T-bar row in my program for at least three to four months, God, if not longer, because it's an exercise that works. Now, I may switch it from a V-bar or, or V-handle V, v T-bar row to overhand T-bar row, but it's still a T-bar row. You know what I mean? So those are a couple of the different factors that I blame, um, you know, people getting muscle confusion on and all that. So this also segues into the nutritional aspects of fitness and nutrition. Like you said, <laughs> Groundhog's Day. Yeah. So what you need to do is a lot of people, they want plans changed every week because, hey, they didn't lose. They didn't lose a pound. You know, things have gotten stagnant or whatever. But the way the body works when it comes to adopt, adapting to training as well as adapting to nutrition is consistency over long periods of time and knowing when to pull the trigger, knowing when to change something, knowing when not to is kind of a nuance that it's not an exact science. Sometimes it is, but most often it's not because every, every person is an individual. Mm -hmm. I may have a client who same plan, 12 weeks will lose weight consistently every week and I don't have to change anything. Then I will have a client, same plan, different plan, 12 weeks, and I have to make changes every two weeks, switch things around because, A, the, you can see where they're becoming to lose faith in it and they're questioning things 
and I'll make a slight change, but it's not going to be a huge change because I know sometimes mentally keeping someone in the game is going to lead to over to longer overhaul overall adherence. More often than not, I will explain to people, your body needs to take time to soak things in, to adjust to something, so it will then be able to react to something. So give it time. And most of my clients, most of our clients are very patient. Um, so thank, thank God for that. But people have to understand, it's like having the options in a gym. They'll have the options in terms of food choices and food selections. And you have to tell people sometimes, hey, listen, this is what works best for you. Um, this is not going to bloat you. This is not going to create any issues with you in regards to craving. This is not going to create any issues with you in regards to allergies that you said you had to foods you say you don't like. So let's just kind of stick the course with this. Um, and I give people, I give, I give people who I kind of see know what they're doing leeway to kind of play with their macros with different foods. But some people who I know I need to really be on, I'll, I'll narrow their choices so that they can stay on task. Otherwise, like you said, because of the availability of so many different choices, people will, if you don't put the blinders on them, they'll start doing this, that, and the third. Next thing you know, when they check in with you and they're not losing any weight or they gained a pound or two and you sit down and you analyze what they've been eating, they say, oh, well, I thought I could have this. I thought I could have that. And I, and you're like, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> you, you, just, you just completely disrupted the process, you know? So that, that holds true for nutrition as well. Variety may be the spice of life, but consistency is key to making uh, progress. And if you just have the same thing, it, 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 and it doesn't sound sexy, it doesn't sound attractive. No, it doesn't. It's boring. It's boring. We're, it we're humans. We boring. want different things every day. We're like yeah. little dogs that can't focus on one thing. But if we can focus on a core group of exercises, if we can focus on a core group of foods. Yes, We'll be all right. Like I remember, some science guy gave you remember Dave Pusinella, right? From raising absolutely, up. absolutely, I remember Dave. You you had the six foods that work. Yes, you had the six foods that work. It was chicken, beef, eggs, yes, rice, uh, and some other shit. I can't remember. Somebody came on and refuted that fact. Somebody that couldn't bench press a third one hundred thirty five pounds, if he probably even tried at the time, right debating with a champion bodybuilder that the six foods that work don't fucking work right all right okay so and this is my argument against variety people know how to get in shape i think people have an inherently they're they're inherently smart enough to know that fried chicken is bad for them they just don't give a fuck right all right they know fried chicken is bad I know fried chicken bad for me. I know catfish is bad for me. I inherently know this because I saturated an oil to fry it at a high temperature. This oil then I know clogs my arteries and if I consume enough of it over time, I know I will die if left unchecked. Mm -hmm. People know what to do. They just refuse to do it because it is the same thing over and over. Right. They know lean meats are needed to get in shape. They know they can't eat fried chicken. They they right. know this. So people just don't care. And sometimes, too, you have to give people a little bit of a safety valve. I know there's a, a large 
not, not large, there's a sizable um, segment of the nutrition community that believes that a cheat meal is counterproductive. You have to know the individual. You have to know that you have a guy who will eat 34 meals over seven days, and that 35th meal, if he can get the Pavlovian payoff of eating something good, those he's good for the next 34 meals. And then you have to know that you have a guy or gal that if you open up the floodgates by giving them, you know, one cheat meal, that you're going to ruin the plan for the foreseeable future. So you got to kind of break it up into smaller, high, higher calorie days. Maybe you'll, you'll do a refeed, a higher carb day instead of a cheat meal. Maybe you'll carb cycle them so every two or three days they're getting a higher carb day. They're feeling satiated. Now they could go another couple of days with lower carbs, you know, working through a little bit of a, a hunger issue for two days until they get the reward of a higher carb days and not give them any cheat meals at all. So you kind of have to kind of be a psychologist and or a therapist for your clients to and have that open communication with them to see what works best for them. You know, because what works best for me is not going to work best for all my clients. So you have to have that open communication. So that comes back to what you're saying. Yes, people know what they have to do, but sometimes they need a little bit of a push in the right direction to tell them, you know you can't have this. Like, oh, am I going to get a cheat meal this week? You know you can't. Last time I gave you a cheat meal, I saw your Instagram. <laughs> I know what you did last week, <laughs> you know? So you kind of have to play it by ear with people. And it's crazy. Um, one of our guests uh, that we had on before, Chris Edmonds, we, we speak about this often. Mm -hmm. um, Chris, it, Chris is the epitome of Groundhog. Same thing every day on his plate, in the gym, doesn't change much. And he's finding success with that. As, as he progresses, he's finding success with that. And I want people to understand is that, yes, we're bodybuilders. Yes, we preach uh, eating clean food, right? But, but, but that doesn't mean it's tasteless food, all right? right. A lot of spices are calorie-free. Spices in general are calorie-free. Um, Get creative with your food. Exactly. Different you way. Saute your chicken, your rice, and your broccoli all together in, in, in a frying pan. Throw on some Mrs. Dash jalapeno on it and then throw some sriracha on it after all that's done. Instead of just eating the chicken with the rice, then the broccoli. You know, yeah. little things like that can make the world a difference. It's a big time difference. And, I mean, if you just go down the local, if you just go down the aisle of your local grocery store, your Walmart, your Fresh Time, whatever, or even if you just go to a store that's specifically catered to spices, you will make a world of difference with your food. Absolutely, look for your look 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 for those sugar-free condiments, sugar-free sauces, um, and go down that spice aisle. Man, you can come up with so many different ways. And like I said, another thing that got me through it a lot. Um, Hey, go to go to the butcher and get get that sirloin ground. You know, get you know some some ground turkey mixed up with some jasmine rice with some sautéed cauliflower and broccoli in there. Man, I, I it got to, it gets to the point when I was dieting for competition, literally all my meals would be those little stir fries, and I would actually look forward to them because I would season them with all these different condiments, sugar-free condiments, and the Mrs. Dash or whatever. So you know, even the boring foods, you can, you can make the same boring meal chicken diced up into the little 
chunks, mm-hmm. white rice, broccoli. Say you don't have rice that day because it's a super low carb day, or your, or your carbs are just non-existent for a period of time. You could just have that with some broccoli or some uh, rice cauliflower. You mix that up with different spices or whatever, and it's like a restaurant quality meal. You just have to know how to get creative. There are ways around it. You know, there are ways around it so people don't have to suffer with the stagnation of food. But essentially, you're eating the same thing and you're getting the reward physically, transformatively from it. Exactly. And I think one thing, too, in regards to consistency, if you do get that cheat meal, you have to know within yourself is that, okay, after I have this cheat meal, my my craving is satisfied. I can go back to being on the diet but some have to be honest with themselves yeah one of those people that i've gotten better with it over time Mm -hmm. i like good food i like sweets i like sweet food i like savory food but i know that if i have the chance to have a big meal i'm gonna go off the rails Mm. So it has to be done with me, but it also has to be kept in check. Right. I'm I'm probably not one that needs to have a weekly cheat meal. I'm probably one that needs to have one every two weeks, every three weeks. There you go. If I I need one at all. Right. You know, so I think people, and what a lot of people need to do is that when they go to a coach, they know they're fat. They should know they're fat. Don't be asked for no cheat meal. (laughs) Um, If I was to to work with you, if I was to work with another friend of mine, or here's the ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that sounds like I'm fat shaming. I'm really not. I kind of am. I'm you know I'm in between on that. Um, If you cannot walk down the street with your shirt off you probably don't need a cheat meal <laughs> wow i need that to be a meme and i might have to make that the signature line at the end of my email account you, you got to, if, you cannot, if you cannot take your shirt off and people be like damn he looked she looked bad he looked you know what? He is- I might, i'm gonna have to put that on my refrigerator you going if you can't <laughs> put your shirt off, summer's coming whether you like it or not. People gonna act a damn fool. Oh, they gonna go outside. Damn what COVID is saying. They gonna say not. If you can't walk down the street with your shirt off, you don't need a cheat. Let me tell you something. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fat summer. It's gonna be a lot of fat bodies not giving a fuck that they just made it through this COVID thing, walking around all kinds of exposed. We just gonna have to get used to it visually this summer. I can only imagine what we're about to see when this weather gets warm. I've seen I've seen memes that said this summer the since the gyms are closed, this summer is gonna be about personality. personality. <laughs> oh no. Oh no, that shit ain't gonna count for nothing. You better have some guns up under there. You better, you better have some decent abs uh, or something. I ain't gotta say you gotta be ripped all up, but you better <laughs> don't look like a fifteen pound sausage in a two pound casing. That's all I'm saying. Oh, so, like they can play around if they want to, you know what I mean? But like, stay on your diet, stay on your training. You have you you have the tools to be successful. 
And it's just Groundhog Day. It's the same thing over and over. And if we're going to wrap it up, I want to say one thing about these gym owners that we started we started talking about. You guys, you guys are now, in my opinion, essential workers. I can't. Larry obviously has uh, tenacity, strength. I have fit for duty fitness. Um, it is our core belief that exercise, nutrition, fitness, and health is what's going to get us through this as a nation. We had a harder time of it than any other country because we are among the most unfit nations on this planet. And if we could reverse that trend, that sad reality, by having people have access to gyms more freely and more often, then I promise you that's going to be one of the things that the next time this thing comes around is going to save us from going through what we just went through. So free the gym owners, leave them alone. Let's get these gyms reopened and let people make socially responsible decisions as how to use them. And, you know, make no mistake, a second wave is coming. Absolutely. Let's make no mistake about it. A second wave is coming. And you better be ready in the gym and the outside aisles of your grocery store are your friend. Get them vitamins. Wear your mask. Practice social distancing. Clean your house. Wash your ass. It's just simple things. <laughs> you know? So right, it's, it's consistency. Do that. That's it. Consistent. Do all of those things consistently. You'll be okay. Do all of those things consistently. Right. Consistently. And like, yes, me and Vaughn are bodybuilders. Yes, we lift a lot of weights. But we want people to be in the best shape of their life. Not necessarily look good, but like to take care of yourself. Absolutely. Like this is wiping people out left and right. And a lot of these people, like I, they have underlying conditions. They're obese. They have asthma. And the asthma is related probably to their obesity. Like it's a, it is whether you like it or not, being fat is a weak link. I'm, and I'm probably going to get flamed. I'm probably going to catch a lot of flack for it. It is a weak link. It you you have to fix it. That doesn't Sweden well. Go look at Sweden's obes- obesity rate for me. To do that before anybody decides they want to slam Larry. Sweden was able to get through it with with not so much damage. Go tell me how many people, what percentage of the Swedish population? I know they're a homogenous society. I know they're all blonde-haired, basically not a lot of variety and strain because you know we have we have our blacks, our Hispanics, etc. Here and the the Swedes, they basically only have a couple of different strains within the Swedish. Um, if you want to call it race or ethnic community, but none of them are fat people, you know. Anyway, that's 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 my part of that rant. Leave the gym owners alone, free the gym owners, free the gym owners. And on that note, we're gonna wrap it up. I know you got to work tonight, I got to work in the morning, so let you get some sleep. All right, all right, brother. Everyone, stay safe and healthy. Absolutely. It's always fun. For Vaughn and Teen, I'm Larry Brown. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Let us know what you think. Like and subscribe. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. So we're all over the place. We're slowly building up. And uh, we thank you for listening. All right. Y'all take care.